0: Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. I am Rob Maxwell and I am an exercise physiologist. In the Method to the Madness, I explore with you why things may or may not work in the realm of health and fitness. I use science to explain what you really need to know about current events in fitness and what you should simply ignore. Today's episode, I'm going to continue with the series of SmartWatch 101. And I'm going to talk about the GPS function of it all today. Today's podcast is brought to you by Jonathan and Lynn Gilden at the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 275 star reviews on Zillow and over 100 million in sales between the two of them. Their goal is to provide you with the absolute top service. And that matters, people. Let me tell you. They can be reached at 386-451-2412 or at thegildingroup.com So, the old GPS function. I can remember back maybe 10 years, 15 years ago when we were using GPS for running and cycling. It was mostly running then. We had like these little literally computers on our wrists. They were rectangular, pretty bulky, and uh, that was the original GPS that I used, and they were really accurate. They were cumbersome and pretty simple to use, and they definitely didn't connect back to iPhones and things like that back then. They were simply a GPS you wore when you ran, and when you stopped, you had to do all your own saving and recording of data. Well, now they're on most watches, your smart watches, your Apple watch. That's probably the most common type of smartwatch. I'm sure there is. I'm guessing it was the original one knowing Apple. And, uh, then there's Garmin watches that people use that run a little bit more, and then they use the smart component of it for other things where I believe with the Apple Watch, it's, it's more the other way around. They're purchased mostly for the texting and the other stuff it's used for. And then it's used secondarily for running and, and fitness. So now it's on a watch and it's become a lot more smooth to look at. You no longer have to go to the store with your little computer on your wrist or whatever. Now you can use your fancy looking little watch, with all the different watch faces and all the cool stuff. So the GPS though in these watches isn't quite as accurate as it used to be. Now I did a little bit of research and a friend of mine did some research and the research I did basically found that overall the GPS component on a smartwatch, a smart fitness watch, is about 95% accurate, so 95%. So it sounds pretty good. And that is when you consider over the long haul of things. So for example, if you're running a 5K and you want to know if the 5K is 3.1 miles like it's supposed to be, then over that course of a 5K, it's going to be pretty darn accurate. Where that 95% gets us into a little bit of trouble is as you're going along. That pace it's showing may be a little bit off and that might drive you a little bit nuts if you know your pace and you pay attention to that stuff. I know that gets me sometimes. I'll be out and I'll be thinking, well, you know, I feel like I'm going pretty hard and maybe I should slow down. And then I look down and my pace is far below where I thought it was. And I'm not quite sure if it's because of the day, the heat, me, or the watch. A lot of times it's the watch. But again, overall, it all balances out. But in that moment, time in that live time, it could be a little bit off. And that's where that 95% comes in. So the best way to always get the best reading from the research I did was keep in mind that anywhere you have a lot of tree coverage, so canopies and things like that, or if you're in the city and there's a lot of tall buildings, you're not going to get quite the signal you would. The research went on to say that you know indoors and I'm thinking uh hello <laughs> where's their gps indoors i mean you think treadmill but that's different because it's not picking up on the gps it's using step count and it's a whole different logarithm for the treadmills and indoor stuff so wasn't quite sure why it had to elaborate that the gps isn't going to work as well for training indoors but you know, hey, then again, I look around at the population and I can understand why they needed to quantify that or qualify that, I should say. So there you go. Me being smart, I just made myself look silly. Qualify that. All right. So, heavy tree coverage, heavy heavy canopy coverage, um, tall buildings of any kind. It also went on to say being around a lot of people with gps's could impact it as well so those are the things that are going to get the accuracy and we all want the best accuracy we can out of our smart smart watches i would say that the gps function for me is the most important i know as i said heart rate's neat and everything but sometimes it doesn't 100 percent pick up the, uh, you know, the other functions are pretty cool, I suppose, when it tells you your VO2 max, as I talked about the other day. caloric and all that stuff is all great, but for me, I want my smartwatch to be most accurate with the GPS. So there's that. Now, if you're really not familiar with all the GPS's capabilities, I mean, it's pretty cool. It could be for running. There's a different one for cycling, but it, it's picking up every activity you're doing. You naturally just have to select which activity you're doing. It will count your laps essentially in the pool. And then there's different functions for open water swimming, which I found to be pretty inaccurate when I've used it. It's been very far off on the calculation that the event is supposed to be and what other people had it at. And then it also will show you your um, lines in the water, like where you went and at times I looked at mine and I was thinking, well, I would have had to have done a U turn somewhere out there for that to happen. That didn't happen. So, in the water, it's not exactly 100% accurate. I'm sure some are more accurate than others, but that's being pretty spoiled if we're going to complain about that. I can remember a time doing triathlons in the early days where I wouldn't even conceive of a GPS or really even knew what they were. I'm trying to think if I even had one in my car yet, then uh, maybe not. Uh, no, definitely not in the very early days. So, you know, will 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 they get better? I'm sure, but you know, we really can't complain about that. They do a pretty darn good job for what they're really designed to do. And you know, there are some safety issues with them. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little history as to why they may not be as accurate as when we had the little laptops on our wrists. So, but but first, there are some safety issues. There's been concerns that. They're easily tracked by people. In other words, there's these uh, different running type of platforms. One of them is called Strava, and endurance athletes put their stuff on there. So there's been some concern that if they're putting GPS and locations on there, people will be more readily tracked. And I'm sure, unfortunately, there's probably been some of that, which is why they uh, give you the option to not do that and just to list your activity. So, you know, there are safety concerns and then there's safety concerns in other directions too, where you can actually be found if you got lost. And I read when I was doing my research about a person who was doing some very long distance ultra marathon and happened to get off course and get lost, but due to his GPS was able to get located. So, you know, there, there's that too. There's not just the counting your distances and speeds and all that. There's also safety which goes both ways. It can make you unsafe in some ways by people that unfortunately take the good and make it into bad. And there could be safety issues in a positive way where you could be found. Now, in some of the research we found, they first started using some GPS stuff as far as experimenting with it back in the 1960s. And In nineteen seventy eight they launched the first GPS satellite, February of nineteen seventy-eight. It was launched by Roadwell International, if all of our research is correct. So that's pretty cool. 1978, I have no clue. I'm sure it was used, and I'll get into that in a second, by more military and you know, I hate to say it, but more purposeful reasons, other than trying to just help runners know where they're. At their pace, I'm sure there was a lot more uh, concern with uh, public welfare and using it for research. 1983, a bit of history happened where the Soviet Union shot down a civilian aircraft and 209 people died. I guess it got into Russian airspace due to some bad navigation and so Uh, At this point in 1983, the president was Ronald Reagan, and he announced that GPS will be available to all of the public. Now, that's where, you know, it's a good example of something that can go really well, and for some reason, humans decide to take it in a bad direction. I heard in one of the podcasts I listened to, I listened to Ryan Holiday a lot, and he and his guest... We're talking about nuclear energy, and I learned some things about nuclear energy. They talked about how nuclear energy was first intended to be basically free energy for all, like it had the capability capability to be such a great thing, free energy for all, right? But then it got into the hands of some people who wanted to use it for not so good, um, and we ended up killing millions of people, making nuclear bombs. So it's like, okay, so now we really can't access this nuclear energy because it got turned into a weapon of war, which is kind of unfortunate that mankind feels the need to do such things. And I bring this up now because that's kind of what happened as we traced the GPSs. So in 1996, the president was Bill Clinton and he issued a directive declaring GPS dual-use system, one for military and one for civilian use, because uh, obviously, for the same reason, if if everybody had the top-notch GPS, which is what the satellites were for the military, then again, it's getting into the hands of the wrong people, and they started doing some uh, you know bad things with it, like tracking military planes are tracking airliners to do harm to people um, just for evil, basically. So he said, we can't have two, we can't have one single GPS system, which again, makes a lot of sense knowing human nature. There's going to be one for the military that nobody will have access to except for the powers that be and the military. And then we'll have more one for civilian use and he was able to make it to where that was going to be the case. Now that lasted for what we were looking at there about four years because what they found was some people were able to get into and use the military GPS. So uh, companies were able to, you know, sell it as we have the real GPS which again could be good if it was used for good, but again, mankind steps in and decides it's going to track military jets. So in the year 2000, I don't know exactly what month. So again, we're gonna have another presidential change here. In 2000, it must've been George W. Bush. He decided that selective availability was gonna be discontinued. So in other words, that there was no way somebody was going to be able to scramble the use and use any of the military GPS. So they're able to scramble it to the point where now we have two distinct GPS systems and we have since 2000, which does explain why when I go back to those early days, we had such good detection. I mean, you could put those little laptops on, turn them on and it was like, oh, wow. And I'm kidding when I said laptop, but the thing was a pretty big rectangle on your wrist. but. You were gonna, as soon as it said found signal, which would take longer back then, but you know, good things were worth waiting for because once it found you, then next thing you know, your pace was your pace. And it did a really, really good job. I mean, I can remember wearing these things for some of my early marathons, and it was like, God, it's like dead on. Like, this is really cool. And now, you know, it's not quite as accurate. Now we're within 95%, which is still, again, pretty darn good. But this is why because we're not able to use the, the best satellites that only the military uses and i'm sure each country has their own way of doing this so i'm talking about the united states because that's where i am that's where most of my listeners are and so that's the story there um so we have what we have it's pretty accurate it's not 100 percent accurate and it's a lot better than i guess not having it i mean that's a whole nother discussion you know do these things really help us or do they harm us in a way, and I'm talking totally fitness now, like do we get too obsessed on direct paces? I mean, I think I can at times, you know, were we better off in the old days where we literally had to map out our three mile run with our car or bicycle that had not a GPS speedometer, but the old regular kind that counted the clicks of the wheel going around, talking old school here, you know, and then go back and remember that route and then run it. I mean. I don't know. We had great running times back then. We have great running times now. I think to answer those questions, it's purely individual. How do you use it? How do you use the tool? Um, I think there's a propensity if you tend to get a little obsessed to obsess over the numbers too much. And I think there's controls around that as well. But ultimately, they give you all the data you need and can be used for good if you choose to use it for good. And just be aware, okay. You know, I don't feel good today. I don't feel a hundred percent. Like I had a client tell me that and he's up in New York. And I said, just run an easy mile. You know, I didn't say anything about pace or anything, because I honestly don't think he uses the GPS stuff, but an easy mile. So if we don't have the GPS, we're gonna be more likely to do that. We're gonna listen to our body and we're gonna just do it. If we have data staring at us, you know, we might say, Well, I should be going faster. So Only you know you, and you know what works best for you. And everybody is different. That's why we have the principle of individuality and physical fitness. And I believe in all the seven principles greatly. So I know for me, I have to watch it a little bit. I can get a little obsessed, and I have to make sure that I'm grounding myself. And as long as you're able to do that, which means like afterwards, or if you keep a training journal, which I do, you know, just make sure that I'm cognizant of, wait a minute, Rob you know, got to talk to myself in the third person when I'm being my own coach, right? Wait a minute, Rob, you know, you know, what's ultimately best right here. Don't be a slave to that pace on your wrist, you know, be smart, do this, you know, use it within reason. So as long as you ground yourself like that, you're good. And ultimately you can find good with these things. So that's the history of GPS. And I'll leave you again with um, just some, some ways to use it best. So make sure that Once it's found its satellite, you don't start before it finds its satellite. I do sometimes because I get in a hurry. That's going to affect the accuracy. So with the Garmin, it lights up green when it's found the satellite. It stays red. It'll still start though. That's where you got to be careful. And basically it's counting steps at that point. It's not really got you in the GPS. So again, watch the, the wooded areas you know, the tree canopies, the tall buildings and things like that. Just know that it's going to affect the accuracy. Use some common sense. If you're out on a run and all of a sudden it's looking pretty accurate, you go into a tree canopy kind of like the loop up in Ormond or city center has some as well in port orange, wherever you are. And you notice that all of a sudden your pace is saying it's a lot faster than it was or slower. Your watch is trying to figure things out. So, you know just keep in mind that those will affect it and uh, you know what just use it for good because it absolutely could be a good thing just know yourself know the tool and I hope this helps you you know this has been a pretty fun series so far hasn't it? So now I want to thank our sec- second sponsor the Istanbul Turkish Mediterranean Cuisine and you know what they're on US 1 in Ormond Beach Florida and they're at 488 South Young Street 32174. They could be reached at 386 492 7100 or at IstanbulFlorida.com. They have great dishes. They have great salads. They have great vegetarian options. They have great healthy options. Whatever your diet style is, they'll have it. Check them out. And until next time, be max fit and be max well.